Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Friday, the 28th of August, 2020. Going to the gym. It's probably something everybody listening to this podcast has done at least once in their life, where you have gone to the gym to exercise, to work out, to get fit. And even if you haven't gone to the gym, there's probably many of us, we have spent time and we have spent money investing in our physical fitness. Even if you have some practices of going on a run or going on a walk or going on a jog, or you have a gym membership and it's something that you do, or you've participated in races, you've run a marathon or a half marathon or done uh, some kind of Spartan race that you've had to train for, that that's something very familiar to human experience. And it's something that can have some value. It can be a worthwhile thing to do. But there is something even more important, and that's really what we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4 today. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And again, remember, Paul is writing this to Timothy, and Timothy is younger. He was a, he's a pastor, and Paul is investing into him. In many ways, uh, Timothy is Paul's protege, and, and Paul is the mentor, and he's trying to pass on his knowledge to Timothy. And he tells him in 1 Timothy 4, 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. And so we see there, he, he talks about the importance of of training for godliness. And he doesn't knock any training for physical benefits, right? He says that can have some value. But training of godliness, that's even more important because it has value in this life and in the life to come. And there's a couple things that I want you to note about what he says here. First, we have to train ourselves. And he says later there in verse 10, for this end, we toil and strive. We are working towards this. And I talked about earlier, we all have a concept for physical fitness in our minds, and it's something that we invest time and money into. Are you willing to invest those things into your spiritual life? Are you willing to work hard to grow as a Christian? Do you want to invest time in reading the word? And again, I know I'm I'm talking to people, if you can hear my voice right now, I know you're doing at least some of that. You're listening to a podcast about the Bible. Great. Is that all you're doing? Again, I just want to remind you, this podcast, I hope, is something that helps you get more out of your time in the Word. That it's not, it should never be a replacement. I hope you are taking time to read these passages. Maybe even there's more that you're doing. I hope that there is stuff that you're doing to dig in deeper to God's word, even beyond this, or books that you are reading. I hope you invest time every day in being alone with God and talking to him in prayer. 
that that's an important thing, that you also realize one of the ways you're going to grow as a Christian is by sacrificing and serving for other people. Are you investing time and energy and effort into that? These are all such important things. And we need to see that is worthy of the investment. If you think being fit is worth an investment, being godly is worth an investment, are you training yourself for godliness? Spend some time even to evaluate what you're doing. What are the habits? What are the rhythms in your life where you are investing your time, your energy, maybe even your money in your faith, in growing in godliness? And that's what I also want to emphasize is the goal. I think sometimes we look at this passage and we look, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing to train ourselves? And that is an important question. But let's not forget the goal. We're training ourselves for godliness. That is the goal. And that's so important for us to remember that we're not just investing in knowledge. We're not just investing, you know, in being a better person. It's in godliness. We want to be like God. The word can also be translated piety. We want to, it's really focused on our character. That is the goal. Our training isn't about doing stuff and checking off boxes, although you can't skip that. Like we have to check the box of being in the word and praying. It's more than that though, because the result of that is meant to manifest itself in our character, that we would be more like Christ. Or another example would be, we should be displaying more of the fruit of the spirit in our lives, more love, joy, peace, patience, so on. And so I think two questions we need to ask ourselves is what am I doing to train myself for godliness? What are the specific things I am investing my time and energy in to grow in godliness? And then two, am I actually seeing growing in godliness? Which growing in godliness is can't be simplified just to external things you can check off. It really is going to show yourself in your heart and in your character. That's what we should see in our lives. So I hope that challenges you today. Are you training yourself? Are you being disciplined to do the things that you need to do? And then are you seeing the results in your character, in your godliness, in being more like Christ? So that's the main challenge I want us to get today. But now I want us to look at the end of Psalm 103, which whenever I read Psalm 103, I leave encouraged. And we wrap up the Psalm today with verses 15 through 22. And have you felt this year more that, wow, the world is a fragile place? I mean, health is fragile. The economy is fragile. Governments are fragile. It's, it can all be affected so much more easily than we realize. And wow, verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. I love that contrast. Our days are like grass, right? And we've seen that this year more than ever before. But God's love is constant to those who fear him. And I want you to notice, even as I was reading today, I'm reminded that's the third time we've seen that phrase in this psalm. Yesterday, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. 
As a father shows compassion to his children, verse 13, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And now the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. The world is so temporary. Let's not care what the world thinks. Let's care more and more about what God thinks and let's worship him for his steadfast love that endures in season and out of season when life is good and when life just feels off the rails crazy. Let's uh, focus on those things and, and let's let not let the temporariness of our world dominate our perspective. Let's let the eternal love of God dominate our perspective. And we get an example of the love of God in Luke, in Luke chapter 15. Now, as we get into the third story of the three stories in Luke 15, we saw the lost sheep, the lost coin. Now we get into the lost son. And that's an important story, a very memorable story, the story of the prodigal son. And today we see a good chunk of the drama. We see the son go off and waste his life, waste all his money. And we see the whole turning point and him coming back to the father. But I want us to especially note the compassion of the father when he sees his son. It says in verse 20, that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and welcomed him and kissed him. Sorry, not welcomed him. He kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the son had more of a speech planned, but the father cuts him off. The father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The word prodigal means wasteful. And that's why it's the prodigal son, because he wasted away all the money. Some have pointed out that as you really study the story, the, the ultimate prodigal in the story ends up being the father. And that's what he'll get accused of later, because here is his loser son coming home again. And the father says, I am throwing a big party that some people would have thought wasteful and especially a party for this loser? Come on. But that is how God feels about sinners. And we need to take that personally. I'm not trying to offend you, but let me be real. You are the loser, son. You are the prodigal. So am I. We don't deserve anything from God. But when we repented and even God working in our hearts to cause us to repent, he welcomed us with open arms, with extravagance, that for eternity, you and I will know the lavish grace of living in the presence of the glory of our God. We don't deserve that. That is the love of God in action. Are you thankful for that today? It's that love that is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him. Let's not take that for granted. Don't take the story of the prodigal son for granted. Sure, it's familiar, but let's never let it become old news or stale. 
This is an incredible story of the extravagant grace of God. And if you are a Christian, that's what you've experienced. Let's let's praise God for that. Finally, we look at the book of Job today, chapters 34 to 37. And here we see the rest of the speeches of Elihu. And again, I think there's a variety of opinions on this. My personal opinion is that it's a mixed bag. I think there's some good things that Elihu says. I think it's better than the other three friends. I think he still shows his youth and his brashness in some of the ways that he calls out Job in a pretty aggressive manner that I don't think is uh, really called for. But at the same time, we can't act like Job is perfect because we're about to see God show up tomorrow. And when God shows up, Job is going to repent in dust and ashes. So clearly there is something Job has to repent of. And that's where what we're going to see Elihu today is defend God's justice and then also defend God's greatness. I mean, chapters 36 and 37, he's just going to go off on how great God is. But he's going to say some things uh, like in chapter 34, verse 9, where he's accusing Job of saying it profits a man nothing that he should take delight in God. Or in chapter 35, verse 3, that you ask what Job is, he's accusing Job of saying, what advantage have I? How am I better off than if I had sinned? And again, I think those can be oversimplifications and not totally fair to what Job was saying, but we're getting at some of the core idea that that Job did does at some point, I think he, he starts to get overly upset with God and act like God is forsaking him, act like God is abandoning him and that God isn't being fair to him. And, and that really gets back to a little bit of a core question we've talked about with Job is, is it worth it to follow God? And, and Job's friends got it wrong um, because they said, hey, it's only worth it to follow God because he'll bless you. But what about if you follow God and he's not blessing you? But I think we see Job miss a little bit that he does start to feel like God is not being fair to him. And I think this starts to bring it up and we'll really see that more tomorrow in the resolution of the story. But I think still, even though Job isn't perfect in the story, I think Job does show a great model of godly character. That's how he ended up in this because of his blameless character. And again, that's our goal. Godly character. That is worth training for, investing our effort, our time, our money into being more like Jesus Christ. I hope that really is the goal for all of us. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.